Welcome to the NOI Podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. I'm your host, Brent Farkas. On this show, we do a deep dive into uncovering the keys to successfully investing in real estate. You will learn from industry rock stars and thought leaders specializing in large multifamily syndications to furnished short-term rentals and everything in between. Whether you are a seasoned investor operator looking to scale or a first-time investor looking to create passive income through real estate, this podcast is for you. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you will be notified of future episodes. Let's get to it. Welcome to this week's episode of the NOI Podcast. My guest is Matt Brauner. Matt is a multifamily real estate investor, managing partner at Minnesota Capital Management and Northwoods Servicing. MCM owns and operates 1,600 rental housing units throughout the Twin Cities and the Mid-South region of the United States. Northwoods Servicing is the property management company for MCM and other rental property owners throughout the Twin Cities. Welcome, Matt Brauner. Hey, man. Hey, Brent. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's a treat to have you on the show and uh, just looking forward to you know getting some insight and wisdom from you today. I'll share all that I can and try <laughs> to keep out the bad stuff. Uh, I love it. Hey, okay. So just maybe a brief background, just kind of how you got into real estate and you know, we'll go from there. Well, I'd love to tell you I was so smart that I was able to pick out multifamily real estate <laughs> and knew from an early age about the risk-adjusted returns. Oh, gosh. But that would make me a liar. <laughs> I got into real estate because I started an investment club where it was a group of guys that got together to drink beer and throw 50 bucks a month at the stock market. And we seemed more focused on the former than we did the latter. And then one of the guys at the group, and we didn't know each other collectively. We all just kind of knew one-off people. Said, you know, if you're really interested in doing something, come to Perkins the next morning. And this is when I was living in Minnesota. Uh, Perkins. For all you Midwesterners out there, you know, the perf. Perkins, Love a Perkins. Tremendous 12 sandwich, totally. chicken tender wrap. <laughs> uh, so we go to Perkins the next morning and there were six people that showed up and we started uh, at that point in time, Minnesota Capital Management. We said, hey, we're going to buy townhomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at that point in time, it was just because we didn't have a ton of money. I wrote a check at that moment for all the cash I had in my name. I was a single guy and didn't have anybody else depending on me to eat. I, I felt reasonably employable. So my thought process was, you know, if I lose this money, I'll, I'll figure it out. And at that point in time, like our vision was just really how to buy our first townhome and went for, gosh, took probably about six months to get our first unit. And that was all that we thought about was, you know, you only operate in real estate to own more single family homes. Mm-hmm. Obviously new apartments were out there, but mm-hmm didn't have any concept of putting together these investments. Fast forward to about 2015, 2016, we had about 20, 25 houses and we had put together some syndicated debt funds to scale and we were putting all the money back into the business. And our first uh, apartment deal came along because there was an operator who was putting together these deals and had a need for some capital. We were blessed to be at a position where we had capital to offer and it gave us an opportunity to break into multifamily. But the first time we saw one of these deals, like our minds were blown. We're like, you can do this? Is this legal? Like we go back and read some of the emails and we were like, what happens if there's a tenant eviction? Cause like there was a point in time when all of us would chime in on whether or not to accept 
accept a tenant. Uh, and we were really blessed in that moment, though, mm-hmm. because uh, we really came on as joint venture partners, and that just allowed us to build a tremendous amount of credibility in the market. And we were able to scale with that operator over time, doing a lot of capital raising, got involved on some of the asset management, kind of just fell into it by being willing to take on um, more responsibility, by being willing to ask questions about what we didn't know, uh, and generally uh, chase opportunities that were presented to us by smart people. That's awesome. In 2018, I quit my job. Wow. I was actually down in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I'd moved away and was still involved with the company because I was kind of doing remote asset management, property management, came back up here with the family and uh, have since been doing real estate full-time now for the past almost three years, which is tough to believe. And wow. we're blessed. Uh, I got to update that bio because we actually have about 2,200 units uh, across the across the country. There's some passive investments in there, and that's been a big part of our strategy to build credibility in markets. And I, I spend my day now, um, I, I tell people doing three things, which is find money, find deals, and write process docs so that my <laughs> staff can focus um, on the day-to-day operations and I can spend more time on the first two items. Wow, that's amazing. Great story. Tell me about when the light bulb went on, like from the single family, you know, the townhomes, and then finally the apartments. Did somebody bring you a deal? And what was that like, that transition to the first multifamily? You know, there's two stories that are somewhat separate that stick out in my mind in terms of what got me really excited about multifamily. Uh, they were both after we had done our first deal, but there was a deal that we bought. Uh, a widow had it. It was sad. Uh, mm. She was using half the units for storage. Wow. Didn't really understand what she had. Thirty. It was, excuse me. It was sixty-two units. She was using thirty-one for storage. And we barely got this thing closed. And that's the story of a lot of real estate deals. But the lender came to us the day before after seeing um, some updated projections for it and said, hey, there's a lot of risk here. So like we had guys that were taking advances on credit cards because we had to come up with like an extra quarter million dollars in that moment to get the thing closed. But we did it. Yeah. And, you know, all credit goes to the operator, the same one who's kind of – you know, responsible for getting us into this business. But um, we were able, as I said, to provide the lion's share of capital for that and were involved with the renovations. And then in like 18 months, we got all of our capital back plus 30% on a refi into agency debt. It was, <laughs> well, you can't do this with a single family yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hello. This is unreal. Um, And really, I I don't think it truly hit us in the moment how special that was. And then there's another story that stands out to me. Uh, This is after we bought a little 12 unit. um, It was the first building we owned outright. Uh, And we were doing the turn on it. And this is just as our management company was in its infancy stages. And I was even like helping with the leasing of it. And I, I go to see the turn after it's done, after my maintenance guy had finished up. And the place was really rough because <laughs> there was a tenant we inherited. Um, so I was like, oh, man, <laughs> in a couple of weeks. We got on a weekend. And then it hit me as I was walking through. I was like, you know, when you give a tenant a 2,000-square-foot house, there's a lot of damage that can be done there. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, but this is 900 square feet. Well, not even that. It was like maybe 750 square feet. I was like, you know, you're just limited in the amount of damage that you can do here. And while, yeah, this unit's been vacant, all these other tenants, and I'm not suggesting that all tenants are bad and destroy things. Don't, <laughs> right. don't send me nasty emails. <laughs> but uh, there were all these other wonderful tenants who were in the building paying rent the whole time. I was like, 
oh, this is a different beast here. This, this hmm. operates a little bit differently where you turn over a single family home, you're waiting a long time to find a new tenant, high turnover cost mm-hmm. there. You just saw that the efficiency hmm. in that moment of that which multifamily could operate at. So those are those are some of the stories that stick out. I can tell you definitely have passion for it, which I love. I think I read where you have a passion for mentorship. Could you share a little bit about that? Sure. Uh, so I actually serve as a mentor um, informally to a number of people. One of the things that I love about multifamily real estate is that there's a growth and abundance mentality. Uh, you could, uh, you know, assume that we're all competing out there, and it is tough to find deals, but you're forced to work together, and so. That mentality spills over to people are just generally willing to help those coming into the business. I think that's probably um, what what sticks out to me the most there in in response to your question. That's really cool. Tell me about with passive investors, you know, time freedom. What are some of the ways that you can help others achieve time freedom? What does that mean to you? Well, I think time is more limited than money. And I think time is something that's personally important to me because it's why I do what I do. Um, You can um, become very wealthy in multifamily real estate. I I don't think wealth in and of itself is something to be pursued. It's certainly not bad. But the reason I'm here doing what I do Mm. is because I needed to be planted. I needed to work, worship, and play all Mm -hmm. in the same place. And I was tired of working a W-2 job where I was gone you know, three, four nights a week. I just didn't feel like I could be the father that I needed to be, or more importantly, be the husband that I needed to be to my wife if I physically wasn't there. And to me, that that's real estate's greatest blessing. Yeah, so true. Let's talk about the passive investor that loves their W-2 job, you know, that's looking for a place to put their money. You know, why multifamily for somebody that maybe is considering that over the stock market? As you look Uh, at the performance of multifamily and your ability to generate financial independence, I just don't see other options right now Hmm. uh, that can offer the same way to see it as risk-adjusted returns. So, you know, people love to tell stories about uh, stocks that go boom, especially coming off of the crazy past few weeks. But I look at what happened over the past few weeks with GameStop and I'm Mm -hmm. like, do you need any more proof <laughs> that the stock market is rigged? Like you as an investor are never going to pick the right stock, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just not possible to build long-term wealth like that. And I have a 401k or I said I used to have one. Right. I have an IRA. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is investing in those over time, um, taxes and inflation are going to end up eating you up. That's not a path to financial independence. Um, To be able to replace your income, to to be able to provide for your family long-term, I believe you have to diversify. Mm -hmm. You look at the performance of multifamily real estate, you're dealing with something that people need. So there's a demand for that. We were told at the start of COVID that, um, and it's, you know, there's certainly been parts of COVID that have been difficult that, you know, the next month around the corner was when tenants were going to stop paying rent, that the next month around the corner was when we were going to see uh, cap rates um, mm-hmm. incredibly expand and there'd be discounts all over the place. And that, that just didn't happen. Um, if you even go back to the Great Recession, you know, people oftentimes forget that there's different classes of real estate. Um, the fact of the matter is, yes, single-family homes did quite poorly during the last recession. Um, and while single-family homes defaulted at a rate of 4%, um, 
in and around 2009, single multifamily defaulted at a rate of 0.4%. So it was an order of magnitude lower. In fact, the first asset class after we saw a bit of a freeze with the start of COVID that banks started coming out and lending for, it was multifamily here. Um, And so then you compare that with the financing that's available because we do provide something that people need. You know, you don't get type of Freddie and Fannie options through agency loans um, if you are um, doing mini storage. And, you know, those are all great investments. I'm I'm not knocking those. I'm just saying why I personally uh, believe in multifamily. And then, you know, Obviously, it's it's fun to watch what Tesla and other stocks do, but the fact of the matter is, no one who owns Tesla stock is in the boardroom, or I think can put any math behind where those stock valuations are coming from. You own multifamily. There's a very clear business plan that you, as an investor, have the ability to understand. Um, Single-family homes are traded based on sales comps, uh, which can be quite detrimental if you are doing a really nice job operating uh, some single-family rentals, mm-hmm. you're, you're getting market rent, you're keeping expenses low, but somebody next to you got foreclosed on. There yeah. was um, some type of reason for them to have to sell quickly. That all of a sudden becomes your valuation. Not true in multifamily. In multifamily, you know, it's run truly as a business. So the higher the NOI, the higher the sales mm-hmm. price. And I just haven't found another investment that, that um, sees that much overlap in those concentric circles um, to justify people's hard-earned investments. Totally agree. I love that about multifamily. You know, just the valuation has been put back onto the operator, you know, and so powerful in how things are managed. Mm -hmm. For a passive investor, vetting operators, give me some insight with MCM and what should passive investors be looking for in an operator? Sure. You first want to find an operator uh, that understands their markets. Real estate is is more than local. Real estate is Mm -hmm. hyper-local. You know, you meet people who say, oh, I heard Memphis is a great place to do deals. And they think they can just throw a dart at anywhere in Memphis, right? And that's just not the case. There there are areas of Memphis that can be great for an investment. And this is just because I happen to do a lot of work in Memphis. There can be other areas that I would recommend you stay away from. Same for the Twin Cities here. So you, you have to find an operator that knows Uh, their market. Two, you're not just evaluating the operator, you're evaluating their team. Mm -hmm. Um, So whenever I'm looking at an operator, I'm looking to see who have they surrounded themselves by. Um, And that can be everyone from their property manager uh, to their SEC attorney, uh, their lender. You know, are are these credible people that I have seen throughout the marketplace or that I recognize as having some presence there. Uh, I'm then looking for an operator um, that can share with me upfront costs. You know, if you ever have people, uh, we all have to earn a living, but if you're ever working with an operator who is shying away from any of their fees, obviously it's not going to be the first thing on the slide deck that they share with you. That's a real cause for concern there. And in fact, I I actually, um, I'm leery of working with operators who don't pay themselves. I, I like seeing it when people are all incentivized to do the work and putting together these deals, I may be biased here, but it doesn't mean I'm wrong, is incredibly <laughs> difficult mm-hmm. to do. So if I'm a passive investor, I like knowing that the guy that I just hired uh, has some good motivations to go out there uh, and generate high returns for me. And then, you know, multifamily, to piggyback off my last answer, you've got to be able to understand the core business plan, right? Like, hey, we're going to take these units. 
We're going to make them look like these units over here where the rent is this. We're not banking on natural appreciation. We're not banking on some type of government program coming through, but it's, it's, it's very clear. If I make these units look like this, here's the rent coming And that's the most important part of any deal. It's the money coming in and the money going out. Uh, and then how well can they speak to the various line items on their P&L? Because that's ultimately what's going to drive the deal. Do you recommend that the passive investors that they're underwriting these deals too? Or? I certainly think they need to know what's going on. Right. Uh, I, I do think that you doing enough evaluation of your underwriter, seeing their track record, and it's why it's so valuable mm -hmm. to, to build relationships over time because that, that just gives you greater peace of mind about who you're working with there. Mm -hmm. um, but then you should also be able to broad brush and, you know, if somebody's bringing you a deal and their operating expense rates, 35%, like what, what what's going <laughs> yeah. on here? Help me yeah. understand this. Well, tell me a little bit about Northwood servicing. So that's the property management arm of MCM, correct? That is. Was that added after the fact, just with the need to have property management for your properties? Yeah. That's another instance where I wish I could tell you I'm a whole <laughs> lot smarter than I am. So it came after, well, right? It came after. Okay. You know, I'd love to tell you like, Hey, we're going to be vertically integrated. And this is another <laughs> way for us to capture yeah, value. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the fact is it just came about because we needed a way as we were additionally just working on single family uh, homes, townhomes to pay ourselves. And so we, um, started Northwoods, Northwoods is how we did showings, how we do some of the turns and it's really focused here in the twin cities. We have some unique stuff out in Las Vegas. We own hmm. some properties at the, the MGM signature and, um, we're a licensed brokerage there. So, you know, we have people who own, uh, vacation rentals at the signature and we're able to manage that with a pricing algorithm we've built. But then here in the twin cities, it's really focused on multifamily property investment. Um, and we are really focused on properties that we own. Uh, we own a lot of C-class stuff here in the Twin Cities. Uh, we're just on the right side of supply and demand. You have the population that's increased 12%. The housing stock's increased 6%. Uh, like the 1960s, 1970s product, uh, just find that it's efficiently put together, good properties to learn in, in terms of how they operate. And so that's where we're focused. Any deals that we do abroad, though, out of state, uh, we do work with uh, property managers, uh, third-party property managers. And I would say, you know, going back to your question about, you know, what are some things to look for? Um, anytime you got somebody who's going to self-manage and they're, they're not working on a deal of size, you know, 100 plus units, that's a big red flag because mm -hmm. it's your ability to manage an asset that generates its value. I would think as a passive investor looking for strong operators, you guys having your own property management, got to be a huge plus to see that you got that in place. I'm really grateful for the insights it's given me into the market and my ability to understand how properties will operate. Hmm. Give me a couple of things that you've learned from running your own property management. Sure. Well, the first thing that you have to evaluate on any P&L are the rents, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't trust um, a lot of the online services that you see out there. I see a lot of people bring me reports from Rentometer. And again, Rentometer is good if you're just looking to get a quick assessment of an area. Right. But that's not a reliable source for where rents can go. Like when, when we will truly try to establish what our rental comps are, we're out there actually secret shopping. So like we're going into a property pretending to look for a, an apartment. We're calling people on the phone, trying to see what's available. How does the staff interact with us? And there can be a lot that you pick up there, right? Mm -hmm. Of If they don't have any units to show you, oh, maybe they're charging too 
maybe the rent's too low here because that means they're 100% yeah, yeah. Uh, occupied. How, how well organized are they? That just gives you a sense uh, of your competition uh, and how can you position yourself? Like people, there's a lot of different ways multifamily can get dressed up, especially when you get like private equity involved and how you're going to structure all these syndications. But at its base, it's how are you going to beat your competition there locally for the best tenants? And it's based on the price and the product that you offer. Uh, and so owning a, a property management company, I, I think, has really given me insight into that. It's also helped me evaluate other property management companies in terms of like property management is just good systems, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you have a system for maintenance requests, you have a system for applications, you have a clean accounting system. So, you, you know, the, the scope of financials that a property management company can do for you are oftentimes indicative of the quality of that property management company. Um, And then just the more units I operate in an area, uh, the more quickly I'm able to assess, okay, well, here's what my insurance cost is going to be. Here's what my utilities cost is going to be. And it ultimately allows me to work through deals faster. That's huge. Do you guys always implement that pretty much on every property that you acquire? Every property locally, we do. We've been part of some other larger syndications where we were fortunate to be part of the general partnership, where there's another um, operator in town who's got a larger property management company than we do, um, who's taken those management contracts. All right. Two questions that we always ask uh, each guest. Your favorite current real estate book that you're reading? My favorite real estate book I'm reading. I will tell you, this is... um, kind of a loose correlation to real estate, but it, it's a great story. Um, I'm reading the biography of Arthur Guinness wow. by Stephen Mansfield. Um, and Arthur Guinness, of course, founded uh, Guinness Brewery over in Ireland. Huh. Uh, it's just an amazing story that the vision that this man had. Wow. And if you can believe it, when he signed a lease for the Guinness Brewery back in the 1800s, he signed a 9,000-year lease <laughs> at $60 a month. People no thought way. he was nuts. <laughs> and that's, uh, now he looks like the smartest real estate yeah, ever, really. investor ever to walk the earth. So, um, Wow, that's fascinating. I'll have to, yeah, okay. the Arthur Guinness's biography by Stephen Mansfield is All one right. I definitely recommend. Thanks. It's on my list now. All right. And then just your favorite real estate investing tip? Ask questions. There's so many times because I, and I even work as part of an official mentoring program with Michael Blanc and that mentoring program. I'll have students bring me things like, oh, how does this operate? I'm like, I I don't know. We ought to ask, right? Hmm. Or, hey, the Hmm. lender told me this specification. What's that mean? I I don't know. You got to be willing to ask that question because people who understand that understand the framework that there's no um, black and white way that all these deals come together. You can do deals any way you want, um, but it's being willing to lean into uncertainty, ask questions, learn as you go, and, and truly be an entrepreneur. That it, it really kind of differentiates those who make it and those who don't. Because if you're if you're looking for just a highly highly structured environment where your mm-hmm. next step is always going to be so crystal clear, you know, multifamily real estate syndications definitely aren't for you. Every every deal is different, um, and I learned something new every single day. Totally can hold you back. The fear of uh, you want it to be perfect so you don't jump in, you know? Right, right. Oh man, that's so good. It is, it gets scary and you 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 get to a certain level. You can analyze deals and practice and all that, but if you don't ever jump into a real one, you know, like saying everyone is different, so you'll never really get in the game based on fear, you know? I'm going to amend my rule. I always tell my students, okay, like no more podcasts. So you can listen to Michael's podcast. You can also listen to the NOI podcast. Oh, so thanks, man. Well, these are the two podcasts I want uh, you to listen to. Awesome. But beyond that, pick up the phone. 
call a broker. You're going to yeah. learn more tripping over your feet talking to a broker than yep. you will reading any book or any other source of knowledge. Same as doing a podcast, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> it takes time to get comfortable and, you know, right. you've got to jump in. Right. Where can the audience find out more about you and your companies? Sure. I'm on LinkedIn, Matt Broner, B-R-A-W-N-E-R. They can also send me an email at Matt, M-A-T-T, at N as the Nancy W's in world, S as in Sarah, properties, all spelled out, Matt at nwsproperties.com. Got it. Well, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. So insightful. And just thanks for sharing all of your wisdom. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Thank you. That concludes this episode of the NOI podcast, uncovering the path to successful real estate investing. Thanks for listening. If you are enjoying the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to bringing you more great content. Till then, happy investing.